Hello, everybody, and welcome to FYI, the Public Library's podcast. Today, we're going to take a look at the idea of unprogramming with our guest, Amy Cooster. Amy is a children's librarian, blogger, and youth and family coordinator at the Skokie, Illinois Public Library. She is the subject of a recent Public Library's online article that explores the idea of unprogramming. Amy's blog is The Show Me Librarian. That's showmelibrarian.blogspot.com. Welcome, Amy, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Kathleen. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your job, your library, your background? I am the Youth and Family Program Coordinator here at the Skokie Public Library, just north of Chicago. I've been in this position a little over a year and a half, and I get to coordinate and help plan and help promote programs for kids from birth through grade five and their families, so any sort of permutation of programs under that umbrella. I came to the Skokie Public Library from three years in a position with the St. Charles City County Library District in Missouri, where I was the branch children's librarian for a medium-sized branch, and that's really where I cut my teeth in terms of programming. It was a small branch, a small but very passionate and dedicated staff, and so uh, it became more and more clear to me in that position that we needed to figure out ways to maximize programs with the resources we had available. And that's where I started to come up with unprogramming through some conversations. And that's really carried over to my work here in Skokie and the full team of people that I get to work with here. Why did you start writing your blog? And maybe you can tell us a little bit about the idea behind the title. I started blogging as the Show Me Librarian in March of 2012. At the time, I was living and working in Missouri, which is called the Show Me State, thus the title. But I really liked kind of the implications of the title, Show Me Librarian, because I was really gung-ho about wanting to show people what I was doing in the library so that they could figure out a way to replicate or scale what I was doing in a way that would work for their community, their library, without them having to start from scratch. I really started blogging in the first place because as a relatively new uh, librarian in the profession, I relied a lot on the kind of personal learning network of youth services librarians and other practitioners who were sharing what they were doing online and in blogs. So I found those really valuable and started to think once I got a hang of things myself, maybe there were things I was doing that could benefit the next new folks into the profession. And so I wanted to give back and contribute to that body of knowledge that is shared online. Along with Marge Lockwaters, another librarian, you came upon the idea of unprogramming, the idea that it's possible to create and offer programs for youth audiences that are at once highly engaging and collection-driven without requiring large amounts of planning, funds, and staff time. Can you tell us a little bit about how the idea was conceived and then a little bit more about it? At the time, uh, Marge Lockwaters was with the La Crosse Public Library in Wisconsin. Through Twitter, through conversations online, and conversations at conferences, we really started talking about programs that we were doing in our libraries. And the fact that we were starting to tend away from really high program planning time, high intensity, high fund programs, and instead embracing a a style of programming that was really uh, reflective. We would think about programs we had offered in the past and see what worked and then try and figure out ways to work those um, good strategies into new programs. We would start always with thinking about a book or some resource or a skill that we wanted kids to explore. Um, So we really started looking at the programs we were offering and the fact that they seemed to be a little uh, less staff-intensive up front. So we started to explore this concept and this idea of putting a good amount of time and thought and resources into a program but not overdoing it by virtue of that fact ending up with a 
low staff intensity program, but a really highly engaging program for the kids who participate. And what are the key elements of using the unprogramming idea? Marge and I talked a lot about what we considered kind of the raw ingredients. And so we kind of frame the idea of unprogramming as a recipe. So if you can picture in your mind a recipe card, you basically need four things. Three definitely, one is optional. So the first is going to be some sort of main introduction to your program. And this is the point in time when you're really going to connect kids with whatever it is you ultimately want them to get out of the program. I think a lot about literature-based programs. So an introduction that I might do on a program about, say, superheroes, might be a bunch of book talks about great new titles that tie in with superheroes. Ingredient number two is what we kind of refer to as the main event. So that's going to be one big group activity. So uh, when I started developing programs in Missouri and then still here in Skokie, a program tends to be between 20 and 30 kids of elementary school age. And so in this program, in the main event, we're all, the full group of us, going to do some sort of activity together. It might be a craft, it might be a game, but it's something that is uh, happening everybody at once. So that kind of leads, in contrast, to the third element, the third ingredient in unprogramming, which is what we very specifically call stations of stuff. So thinking of this idea where we've uh, had an introduction, where we've talked about a book or an idea, we've had a group activity, and then we kind of break up, and there are three to five stations that are kind of standalone, largely self-directed activities that tie into the overall theme of the program. And what happens during this portion of the program is that the kids in attendance are able to self-select which elements they want to engage with, which station they want to do. Maybe one is a craft. Maybe one is a game. Maybe one is exploring books on a topic. So whatever those stations are, it's up to the kids to kind of direct themselves to the area in the program that they want to engage with. And what's really positive about this sort of model is that the kid who's really into crafts and only wants to do a craft for the remaining, I don't know, 40 minutes of the program, they totally can. Whereas at the exact same time, the kid who doesn't want to do crafts but wants to play games or you know, talk about a topic with other kids, they have that option in one of the other stations. So there are a lot of different options and modes for a child to engage in the topic without anyone being prescriptive about what they have to do. So you, the staff person, are then able to have conversations, ask questions, provide guidance, really develop a strong relationship that's going to make uh, program participation a huge um, positive social experience and also situate the library as one of the you know, integral spaces in these kids' lives. So then that brings me to the fourth, and I will say optional element, but we would consider documenting that program to be a, a major element of unprogramming. Maybe that's taking pictures, jotting down some notes, just something to kind of reflect on the program, think about what worked, what kids really responded to, and having a way to capture that and keep it for future reference. So those are the four key elements, your introduction, your main event, your stations of stuff, and some type of documentation. Sounds like you've had a lot of success doing programming this way. Are you using this method for all of your children's programming now? When I'm talking about unprogramming, largely looking at elementary or junior high, high school age kids. So when we're talking about elementary age programming, I think what I've seen in particular coming to a new library where they had such rich programs already on offer, it wasn't so much as like looking at programs and saying, oh, we need to offer this style, but rather looking at what we were already doing and seeing how 
in a lot of cases, it was just a new permutation of that unprogramming method. It's kind of a rough outline of a program, but the individual elements are so flexible. So really, it makes it scalable to any library is what I've kind of found, that you can plug in the elements that work for you and your community and your staff and your resources. How is that different when you were planning other programming? So for me, it was kind of a transition of seeing well, I know I need to be flexible. That's a skill that I totally thankful for my story time experience for because you have to be flexible in a room of five-year-olds. But you really have to be flexible in a room of fifth graders as well. And uh, kind of seeing that I could look at some general parameters of what I know the kids in my programs like, um, topics they were interested in, and structure some activities around those things as opposed to me kind of being prescriptive and saying, this is what we're going to talk about. These are the things we're going to do and there's no room for variation. You've noticed that programs that are less staff-intensive tend to be a bit more successful. Why do you think that is? If a program is a little bit less staff-intensive, in one respect, it can be more successful in terms of staff buy-in because we are busy people. And if we know that we can create and produce and offer a really engaging program in a smaller amount of time, We get a lot more staff buy-in because we know that we're using that time effectively and we get to really approach something that we're we're passionate about without it becoming too much of a draw on our time away from other things we need to do. Less staff-intensive programs can be more successful for the participants, for kids, and in the event that it's a family program for their entire families. It's because it is really a bit more self-directed. Kids are able to engage on their own terms and really get something super productive out of that program experience. And what do you think library summer reading programs could look like using unprogramming? What I would look at for unprogramming for a longer um, initiative, such as summer reading clubs or summer reading programs, I would try and figure out a kind of a regular space in the library, maybe a regular uh, day of the week, time of day, so that um, you can kind of become a landing zone for the, the audience that you're really trying to meet with these programs. And then have... Structure, but not too much structure. So if we think about um, the three main ingredients of an unprogram, there's the introduction. So maybe we're going to um, one day talk about, like, we're going to do magic tricks. So we talk about magic tricks. We have some magic books. Or maybe another day we're talking about the book awards that we come up with um, for our community. And we book talk those books. So some sort of general activity to get kids pulled in to whatever the topic of the day is going to be. Then to have that kind of main event, I'm a huge proponent, especially as kids get like fourth, fifth grade and older, of having a main event in any kind of program be some sort of icebreaker. For kids this age, their peer relationships are so important to them and being able to offer some sort of group activity that allows them to develop and build those uh, relationships with kids who are into similar things they are using the same library spaces. And then when it comes to stations of stuff, I would plan, say, you know, we have X as our theme for the day, and we're going to have three different activities you can do on that topic. Or if you just kind of want to hang out and chat with your peers who are here in the library, having a way that makes the space theirs, I think, is one of the unique aspects we can have when we're thinking about regular but not high-intensity unprogramming for that age group. And can you share some unprogramming programming ideas? I have three that I'd like to share, and they're kind of on a spectrum of you know, very traditional unprogramming to a little bit more flexible models. The program I called Lunch Lady and Friends based on the Lunch Lady graphic novel series by Jared J. Krasowska and other superhero graphic or semi-graphic novels. So in terms of our introduction, 
I did book talks of Lunch Lady, of Captain Underpants, of a range of other titles for everyone in my age group. Um, so this was, I think, for second, third, fourth, maybe fifth graders as well. Um, so that was our introduction, some book talks. Then as a main event, we did a relay. I am a huge proponent. I've found uh, kids really, really like some sort of group game or activity, like a relay race. Um, so I like to insert that into a lot of my different um, programs. Based on Lunch Lady, we had a whole bunch of play food we had borrowed from the youth department, from the preschool area, and some of it had uh, dot stickers on it to denote that it was not in the greatest of shape. And so we had two teams doing a relay race of removing the, the moldy fruits and vegetables from the cafeteria. Super simple, didn't cost any money, but kids were really into it, and they really started to build like a team camaraderie as they were cheering on their teammates. And then in terms of stations of stuff, I had a couple different activities spread throughout the room that were going to engage kids with different levels of interest, different levels of what types of activities they like. So we had one that was a spatula toss, so kind of a carnival-style activity where kids were trying to fling sponges into a, a target using spatulas and pancake turners as their modes of flinging said sponges. We had a station where we had kind of created a backdrop of a city that kids could color in and then pose for their own superhero-style photos. We had a station where we made flipperamas, where kids could make a flipperama in the style of uh, Dave Pilkey's Captain Underpants books, where they got to sit down and draw and color and kind of storytell together. So for kids who are really into games, there was something for them. For kids who wanted to do something that was more like a sit-down activity and draw, they could. We engaged creativity, movement, all sorts of things there. The other two examples of types of unprograms we do here at Skokie Public Library, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't make a shout-out to our boombox, which is our flexible theme space. So every uh, three to four months, the space has a new theme and we explore that theme. So right now we're in the midst of exploring all things earth science. And my colleague Amy Holcomb does a phenomenal job of structuring drop-in style events most days of the week. Mondays and Wednesdays at this point, we have scheduled micro-workshops. Kids who come in at 4.30 can learn a little bit about volcanoes and see a simulated volcanic eruption. If our introduction is talking about volcanoes and our main event is this eruption, then the Stations of Stuff is really the space in our boombox that is available, the activities that are set out for kids to stay after that micro-workshop and really engage in a way that's meaningful to them. So a bunch of different activities that can largely be self-directed, and then if they have questions and want to learn more, there's a staff person in the boombox to help facilitate. And the last one that I would like to mention is a story walk. Buy some copies of a picture book, take those copies apart and kind of mount the pages on posters or on uh, pedestals out in the library, outside in the community, basically to have a path that families can follow to read a story together. So that's kind of the ultimate in a self-directed activity because you set out the equipment and then families and kids can engage with it on their own at their own pace. And then you can offer stations of stuff, some supplemental activities as well. This winter here at Skokie, we did that winter story walk with two different stories. One was the mitten, one was over and under the snow. 
Families could do the walk. They could come decorate some mittens. They could uh, do little puppet shows based on animals that hibernate. So a lot of different ways to engage with a topic in a self-paced, low-staff-intensive way. What has the reaction been? At the same time that there are plenty of people who are like, wait, yes, I'm already doing unprogramming, there are plenty of others who are saying, I think this, this method has something that could be useful to me to help me make more use or better use of my time, my library's time, but also to make even more engaging and educational opportunities for the kids I serve. And as far as children and parents, are you finding that they are really liking this style? Yes. What we see as an intentional change in planning style and program style from inside the library, we can tell there's a big difference and we're looking to see what the the shift in attitudes among participants is. They are submitting comment cards or telling staff, hey, my kid really loves this program. So we're definitely seeing that kind of positive impact. That brings us to reflection, which you feel is an important component of unprogramming. In particular, when we're talking about trying to create a model for library programs for youth um, that is going to be less staff intensive, For me, that means you can't always be starting from scratch. I know I would kind of drive myself a little bit up a wall if I were always starting from scratch. So what I find very useful, what I've heard from a lot of other youth services folks that they find useful as well, is to kind of have five or ten minutes after a program is done to jot down some notes or take some pictures and save them to a folder in your computer, something that's going to help you kind of capture what was the most successful about a program And then when it comes time to come up with your next program calendar cycle, you look back at those notes and look for the elements that were particularly positive, particularly had a great response from participants. If there's any other kind of piece of advice or suggestion I would give, it would be to think about um, how you look for program tips and tricks, perhaps a little bit differently um, than we're used to. So I used to look for kind of a complete program plan and would try and replicate that sort of plan in my own library setting. Um, What I found works even better for me and really works with this unprogramming style is that I read about all sorts of programs, and if there's just one single activity in that program that seems like something that might work for my kids, um, I'm going to make note of that one single activity. So um, my advice would be to think a little bit more broadly about what types of ideas you're collecting and recognize that you can collect small individual ideas and ultimately create a program out of them as opposed to always having to find a complete ready-to-go program. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, you can check out Amy's blog, The Show Me Librarian, at showmelibrarian.blogspot.com. And you can check out more FYI podcasts at www.publiclibrariesonline.org. Thanks for listening. (music) 